Hey, what's up? This is Iodelli Harrison. Welcome to Iodelli Speaks. I think this is episode 11. This is recorded on uh, July 22nd. And Iodelli, uh, 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 husband, father of two, um, 20 year educator. And so I, I actually just uh, hit the hit the record button um, because I just got off the phone with a professor um, from the um, College of Education and Human Design from Georgia State University. And we were just talking about you know, what it's looking like for student teachers and, you know, um, what would, uh, what will student teaching look like? Because there are still students who are in universities um, and alternative certification programs learning how to teach um, amidst the pandemic. And so we were talking about this and, and during that conversation, you know, it made me realize, like I was, you know, I asked him, you know, with our mentor teachers, we're getting ready to have a training coming up in the next week and we're working with them to prepare them to work with their student teachers and yes virtually and in this space and i said what would you what do you need them to know what do you want mentor teachers to know um and with that it was just you know we we started having a conversation about content right and so the three things that we he mentioned were so what what is literacy going to look like um across the content area this year with you know the interruption of in-person learning um, that happened in March, you know where's our students' literacy levels? Like we know that here in Atlanta, I've said this before that you know according to some recent data that 20% of um, Black children in the city of Atlanta are reading on grade level by the end of third grade. That is a dismal, abysmal, whatever you want to say. That's horrible. And so how does that now play out? with um, how does that play out in this in this space now? So what is literacy gonna look like, not just for third grade, but across all grades, you know, K through 12? Um, where do we start? How are we gonna engage that? Because, you know, um, you know, that was just interesting. And so it's like, what is, that then led us into what is the other content gonna look like this year? Um, and, and, how is it going to be delivered? You know, what are the what are the expectations that building leaders are setting or that districts setting for school leaders and school leaders are then setting for um, teachers, for educators? Because it's this idea of like um, school was interrupted formally and we know some learning happened, but not as much as where we had, would have hoped to be by May 2020 or June 2020, whenever graduation, you know, the end of the school year was. And so where do we start? Do we start from March and build up and see how far we can get over this year? Or do we start with the assumption that learning had happened and you know, we, we start where we would normally start at the beginning of a school year with a new grade? You know, we do some review, but then we're on it. And so I was just thinking about like, so how, if anyway, are the traditional scopes and sequences being adjusted or modified or adapted, you know, um, knowing that there is no, there's not a lot of certainty to guarantee that all the content was covered. I think I'm pretty, pretty certain that it had, wasn't covered. So where do you now start? How do you, as an educator, as a classroom teacher, how, how do you begin to diagnose, you know, where students are at to do base level assessments, right? What does that then look like? What does that look like in a virtual space to help you know? Um, are educators, teachers given permission to really um, 
investigate to see where they're at or is there and then work from where they're at to move forward or is there an expectation by um, their supervisors to start where the content normally starts for eighth grade or second grade. Um, and we can sit here and say it's impossible for, you know, someone to start to, to, to start the school year where they would traditionally start the school year without a pandemic being in place. But it does happen. There are, um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering about these things because, you know, it, the, another question is, are we, are we equipped and have the necessary resources to adjust, right? Um, to modify curriculum, you know, on the, and, and then, but then what does that mean for years to come, right? Um, so it's just, you know, so many questions just kind of came up with, with looking at it, like, you know, some educators might be expected to start day one of school for the 2020-21 school year, um, 2020-2021 school year as if it were a normal school year because that's what their resources, that's what their funding, that's what all that stuff allows them, allows them the position to do. When there might be other schools that have, are able to, to think a little differently and modify and create. So I wonder what leeways districts are given, giving their schools. And I wonder what leeway flexibility school leaders are giving their teachers in this space. You know, because here's the thing, you know, it, it's, it's uh, our educational trajectory has shifted due to this pandemic. And if we are just doing enough to get back to the old trajectory is, is I want to ask that question more objectively, unbiasedly, but it's like, if, you know, is our goal to get back to the trajectory we were on or is it to be something different? And then if it is something different, then that's going to have ripple effects. So if we, as we enter 2020, 2021 school year, right, and we do it and, and we begin to build, well, we know that the 2021, 2022 school year is going to look different. And each year after that is going to look different. Now, and, 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 and that could play out for, will play out, might play out, whatever, for a generation, right? Until, if you think about it, like when we, when this pandemic does pass, um, as our president says, eventually, which is <laughs> it's a whole nother discussion. But, you know, I believe we will, I'm hopeful that we will get on track and that this pandemic will pass. It's going to affect that generation of children that have been in K-12, K-P-12, P-16 stream of learning that it it will only begin to, I, I guess the, the question is, is it be normal? I, I can't find the words for once our pandemic has ended and we're able to return to school in person and, 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 and deliver education the way that we want it to be, that then is the beginning for someone who is then a child who is entering pre-K, right? And then from that 13-year process, we will then have what potentially could be our new normal. But until then, 
everything is just being modified. So we have to be rethinking about the, 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 the ripple effect that this restart is going to be, this reopening virtually and what it's going to have. And as we continue on that path, we can't assume that we're going to be back to normal. We have to create a new trajectory for this. And that trajectory won't fully be understood until we actually get a new crop of learners going through our P16 system. Um, I hope that makes sense. Like I'm really just, just stream of conscious right now, just thinking about that. And so I, I wonder how equipped we are in this time to really think about these ripple effects as they move on from this year to next year. And I know that there are some, um, uh, educational enclaves that are like, so, some people are just trying to survive. How are we going to get students fed? How are we going to get certain services? How are we going to make sure they're staying connected? All those other types of things. But then there's, there, there, there's another enclave, hopefully, um, that's out there. Me, maybe this question in this podcast is thinking about, so what does year two after pandemic or during pandemic, year three, year four, what is that going to look like? You know, I think some colleges um, have, have um, they were teetering on whether they're going to continue to work with uh, use ACT and SAT type scores. Some colleges have gotten rid of them, right? And so... Um, so they're beginning to adjust, I, I hope, to think about what does now this new student that will be enrolling in college over the next three to five years, what is that experience going to look like? How is that going to shift us in higher ed? Um, so there's a, lot to be, there's a lot to be thinking about, right? And, and knowing that um, our classroom teachers, our educators are, are on the front lines figuring this out in real time. And, you know, I, I ended our conversation um, with, with my friend um, about, like, this is gonna be a lot of learning in public. That's a phrase that I got from um, Furlone, who's a marketing genius um, with Audacity. She was like, well, what we're talking about here is we're gonna be learning in public. And so there's gonna be a lot of learning in public that happens. And we're gonna get a lot of things wrong. And we're gonna get a lot of things right. And I think it's, it's about having patience with this because this is going to have, this is going to have a ripple effect moving forward. Um, we've, our trajectory has changed. And so, um, so the, the, the question is if, if it's uncertain of, you know, what should be our focus then when we return to school, what should we be, if, if maybe reaching, uh, you know, there's standards-based education. We have these standards that we want to go through, go through and knowing that they're going to be modified, right? So we, uh, there's a strong 99.9% .9 likelihood that we will not be able to complete what we will have hoped for um, in this year and or in years past. And so, you know, what skills, what mindsets, what knowledge, do our young people need in this time of uncertainty? And so one of the things in our conversation we started thinking about was, was critical thinking, right? Being able to um, assess a situation and see and know what skill, what do I need to apply to be able to successfully navigate, succeed the succession, hopefully thrive while I'm um, doing all this work. And so, you know, it's, 
you know, one of the things that um, at the beginning of my consulting career some five years ago, doing a lot of work um, with, uh, with mathematics and learning in that way. And so um, I I'd spent a lot of time because I was a classroom teacher for over 16 years um, and was really thinking about from a math perspective, right, where I got to in my last few years of teaching, I was thinking about trying to formalize what tools do my what tools mindset skills strategies do my kids need to be good learners of mathematics right what what do they need to be good learners of mathematics and was thinking about so and then how do i break those things that they need to be good learners with about and strengthen those skills so that when math content new ideas come they, they have a they have a mind, a spirit, a body, an enthusiasm that's ready to take on that particular challenge. And so um, I, I will post like so what I I did do a, a five part series, I think three years ago, six part series, five part were six part series, but it was on the five building blocks for creating mathematical thinkers. Um, and I'll, I'll link that in the in the resources. Um, but it's really to see like, how do we build mathematical thinkers? And so, um, you know, um, man, I wish I just give me just a moment. Um, and so I just, I just paused for a moment. So it sounded like it was cut, but I wanted to get this cause I didn't think I was going to be here with this. Um, but the five building blocks, um, were, uh, nonverbal reasoning, strengthening nonverbal reasoning skills, being able to, uh, conduct error analysis, work with non-routine problems, work with problems that have multiple answers, and then ultimately uh, work in a space where I can read and apply. Um, and so the non-verbal, like I, and, and I think this could apply for other spaces, but it's like for mathematically speaking, it was just more of like getting students using their visual reason, reasoning skills, right? To solve a problem. Right. So not a not a uh, so in a nonverbal way. So because the skill was about, um, you know, being able to look at a problem and to begin to to reason it without words just yet, just kind of get, you know, open up a page and start to look at. It. And so what did it take this nonverbal reasoning? Right. Because in mathematics, the, the numbers and symbols on the page are telling you a story. Right. And we have to be able to see this visually and translate it into a story that makes sense. So strengthening nonverbal reasoning was important, right? The second one was error analysis. Like, can I see a fully blown solution and um, that's written out and begin to find errors within it, right? And be told, hey, there is an error here, find it. So it's more of like, not build it from scratch. Here's the machine do some work around inside and figure out where it's at. Because in that process of analyzing error, you kind of have to, know, you have to know what should be there to then be able to understand when something's not in the right place. Um, and then the third thing was non-routine problems, right? And so that is just this throwing math problems at students, logic-based problems, critical thinking problems, kind of Mensa um, type work. Uh, uh, where, uh, just problem sets where it's like, you've never seen it before you are, um, and there's no routine answer to it. Like you might have to create a creative way to solve this, maybe pulling together, 
um, different uh, skills that you've done in the past to solve this problem or come up with something new. So just having exposure to that. Um, and then the fourth was answers will vary. So we know in this world that not, not everything is, there's one answer to it, right? And so how do we begin to develop that persistence to say, okay, here's one answer, that's great. Let's find another answer. Is there another possibility? You know, how do we now expand our thinking to be, uh, to include more particular solutions? And then the last is the read and reply. And, you know, it was a skill that I really was, you know, when I worked with my students for 180 days was like, by the time they're done with me, I want them to be able to open up a textbook and, and know how to read a section and begin to teach themselves. Right. So read um, the vocabulary, read the example problems and, and teach themselves in that process. And so these five steps was about really getting them to be independent learners. Right. And so I think that in this space, um, I, I would encourage um, just from my experience like that, if we don't know how far we need to get or if it's really being daunting for us to reach a certain level of content or get to these standards, it's important for us to really think about as educators, um, classroom teachers, instructional coaches, building leaders, districts, to think about, so what skill do we want our students to develop within this content that will position them to be better learners of the content as they continue to move on out of my classroom? Um, and so I think that that's really the, the focus, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of research out there that kind of talks about these critical things. What does critical thinking look like in math? in reading, in history, you know, how are we working on these skills? What does perseverance look like? You know, so it might be, we talk about resilience, but it's like, what does it take to, to really position a student to have the skills, the mindset and the knowledge to be willing to engage a problem, a situation, learning that's unfamiliar um, and stick with it and learn it, be independent in that, in that particular way. And so, Anyway, so that's just what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about the content. I'm thinking about what is being covered, you know, this year. What is the expectation that is actually on teachers this year? What is the expectation that's coming from their building leader? What is the expectation that's coming from themselves, the pressure that they're putting themselves on? Um, and, and wanting to, to begin this conversation about the content and the experience, right? We know virtual, in-person, that's a lot of the conversation right now, but then it's like, so, but what is learning going to look like? And here in Atlanta, I believe the late start, like we were scheduled to start August 10th as it was the first day of school. We now pushed it back to August 24th. In that time, they did that. One of the reasons that I think I read was that it was an understanding of how to get teachers more trained on how to use virtual technology and become proficient at that. But then also to be thinking about what is, uh, what is, teaching and instruction going to look like? What skills are we gonna be able to have them accomplish? How are we gonna modify what we would have normally do to be able to adjust for these pandemic times? So anyway, so I mean, I end this with, you know, more questions than answers. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to hear from you. So wherever this is posted, um, I'd love to hear your comments on, on what, do you, what do you, if you're an educator in a classroom, what, what is the expectation that is happening for you that, that you're under from your, your supervisors and 
how you should start the year, what you know, the, where you're going to try and end up, your goals for the particular year. What's the expectation? What standards? I want to hear from that. So building leaders, um, I would love to hear comments from you about what do you hear in the district is encouraging you to have, and and what are the concerns of the teachers as we get back into this? You know, what research or what understanding do you have about? Um, where your students are at. How are you going to be assessing um, them to really understand this and know that those assessments are timestamps and are, are of a particular time, but then also knowing that they're virtual. And so how are assessments going to be different? How much weight are we going to put on them um, based upon it being virtual? You know, and knowing that there, there's not a lot of control that we have over uh, the um, the learning at home environment, right? And so when someone is taking an assessment and maybe does well, what does that mean? If someone has taken an assessment and doesn't do well, what does that mean? Is that my teaching? Is it the their lack of preparation? Is it, you know, some other challenges that they might be facing um, in their home? Is it other trauma they've experienced? Or is it just really the digital platform that's there? So there's a lot more questions that, that are going to be there and a lot of adjusting that is going to be, you know, learning in public as we go and, and just, you know, um, sending educators um, peace and light um, and calm. I think, you know, my friend was on the phone was saying, you know, it's like, I forgot what words he was using, but he's like brings him great anxiety thinking about supporting teachers. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm working on not uh, I'm working on thinking about what's within my locus of control and my work, right? What can I do to affect and uh, set hopes um, and expectations, but know that ultimately I can, I'm going to try and do my best to deliver um, the skill, you know, what I've been asked to do. So anyway, so that's me. So, hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, um, I'm asking questions like these and posting these things all the time. You can find it on Twitter, um, Instagram, at Iodeli underscore H-A-R 78. Join the conversations. Uh, tweet at me, you know, Instagram me, whatever that might be. And, you know, let's talk. What questions do you have? Um, also, I'd be remiss that we have... Um, a, uh, our Black Male Educators Leading School Improvement um, workshop that's happening um, actually today. The, well, this is going to be released on the on the 23rd, which is Thursday, um, but that's the same that morning. But th this afternoon, when this 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 thing is played or released, um, Thursday, July 23rd, from 4 to 5:30, we're going to have our Black Male Educators Leading School Improvement workshop, and that's where we're going to really talk about. Um, what can we learn from the school improvement process that allows us to where we stand, use that process to be able to more effectively meet the needs of our students? So this is a space for those who currently are engaged in student improvement, but also not student school improvement. But if you have no idea what school improvement is and you're inspiring in leadership or you've heard a little bit about it and you want to engage in that because we have issues and, and school improvement really should be tackling some of the major issues of today, whether it is disproportionate amount of uh, black and other children of color being represented in special ed. If it is um, black female leadership or not, you know, black females in education not being tapped for leadership. If it is lack of diversity across the school or um, racist practices that happen within schools or, you know, there's a, a variety of different things that school improvement um, might not always hit on. Like sometimes we think of it as curriculum, student achievement, we got to get this, you know, where, yeah, that's true. But some of the other stuff that, you know, that I just mentioned might be contributing factors to 
um, student achievement. And so we have to begin to, to create a school improvement space where we begin to think about how does our school improvement plan, um, uh, how do I use it in the, the, the three foot radius where I stand, classroom teacher, instructional coach, building leader, whatever that might be, but then how do we also think about it more broadly to make sure that we're getting to root causes? So we're gonna talk um, a bit more about that. This event um, is for black men educators only. Um, you can go to our website, uh, uh, BME's Talk, eventbrite.com. Um, we have one that's this event on the 23rd. Um, we also have multiple other ones coming up, but then also just announced that we have um, our hiding in plain sight um, workshop where it's, it's I'm gonna talk about an approach to um, equity-centered school improvement. So this is, this is gonna be open to everybody, um, to all educators um, who would like to enroll and register for this four-hour four class. Well, we're really gonna deep dive into what does it really look like to unpack the student learning environment you know from the perspective of a student uh, educator parent building leader what does that look like how do we begin to begin to know what we should look for how do we um, turn our data into smart data how are we asking the right questions how do we are we including the right people are we triangulating the right information we're going to talk about what that looks like to turn data smart in order for us to more effectively power change um, in the learning environments that we so desire to improve for our students. Um, so that information, uh, this is a lot that I'm sharing, but um, that information, uh, website, where you can find more information about hiding in plain sight, the four hour uh, engagement, you can do it's cbventures.eventbrite.com. And again, cbventures.eventbrite.com. Um, and you can learn more about that. You can register. I invite any and all educators. It's not, it's inclusive of black educators and then also all. So black, indigenous, people of color, white folks, whatever level that you might be at, I encourage you to be. There's limited seating for that. So I encourage you to get your tickets. It is not, it is uh, in October and I'll keep talking about it, but I just want to give you a chance to, to get involved with that now. Um, anyway, so we are at the 25 minute mark uh, for this. Thank you for, for, for taking a listen to this. Um, but be thinking about um, what is learning going to look like, right? More specifically instruction and, and what content are we going to cover and what's really key for learning in this time? What skills, what knowledge, what mindset should be developed in this time as we begin to think about reopening schools uh, or returning to school virtually, uh, in person or some sort of hybrid? I wish you well. Take care. Thank you.